Previously on Talking Joe. And uh, while they've been using various spoofing things to try and defeat it, the reason that Big Ben is able to actually defeat their, their facial recognition is because he's on the SAS. And SAS security is clearly much better than GI Joe security. Yes, yes. <laughs> Where they the game, can, they yeah. can spot, they can spot Cutter, uh, you know, underwater from a distance of fifty meters. <laughs> <laughs> Talking Joe is on the air, and here are your hosts, Chief and Mark. Hey to the hey to the hey hey hey, Chief Doggy Dog is up here in the loft. I don't know what's happening there. Uh, what about you? My good buddy Mark is on the show, Funky Bunch. Uh, where are you? I'm here in my office. I'm Mark J. Seddon, the greatest co-host of the Talking Joe podcast. So good. There have been other co-hosts. <laughs> Everybody has been saying they were terrible. So bad. Which is why they were fired. Some terrible, terrible people. Some, some of these people say that is the first choice for the host. They're just fake news. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry, I just think I might have had a, a Someone bit of a turn. Someone this man. Someone impeach uh, this man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know quite what came over me there. I'm actually, uh, yeah. I, Mark, um, here. Uh, we're 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 not a <laughs> pol- political podcast. However, I was at one point. I had my finger over a button of um, a 500 pound bet on Joe Biden to win the presidency. Crikey! Um, before just before I think it was Tuesday. And um, he was short price. He was like one to two, which means my five hundred wins me two fifty. So I got uh-huh. seven hundred and fifty return. Okay, but you didn't click. Uh, I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. You know, I'd read a lot of articles, um, and it was just like the, the pollsters obviously got it wrong in terms of they got it right in terms of predicting Biden was going to win, but they got it way wrong in terms of the landslide victory mm-hmm. they were predicting. And you know, my mate. Uh, who you know, I work in the betting industry, and my mate who's worked in it, uh, you know, for as long as I have, um, he was like, L- "Listen, why is Trump two to one to win when the polls are saying that he's, you know, Biden's going to win by eighty percent of the vote? That doesn't make that doesn't mm. equate the probability, doesn't equate to the betting odds." Now, in my experience of being in the betting ind- industry, bookies know far more than so-called pundits and experts because they've got you know what's called skin in the game they've mm. got they're staking cash money on being right or wrong whereas pundits and experts be it football experts or whatever or sport experts there's nothing riding on there just you know I, I say this team's going to beat this team and they obviously don't doesn't happen so what move on next one whereas bookies have got a cash money involvement here so they cannot afford to be wrong so i thought it was definitely going to be a lot closer than predicted but still i don't know i well long story short i didn't make the bet and uh, didn't win the money so that whole last three minutes of diatribe was pointless really so i yeah. forgive forgive me listeners for boring you with that but, but yeah um, no, they, on twitter there was a, a thing with nigel farage who took a photo of himself holding up a bit of card saying yeah. that he had bet i think ten thousand pounds or dollars uh for uh for yeah trump to to win it right but uh yeah Farage, for, for our US listeners, not a very well-liked character o- over here, d- despite, I think, declaring himself the king of Europe this week. <laughs> oh, did he? Okay, interesting. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I think he was introduced at a rally as, as the king of Europe, uh, Nigel Farage. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, so I don't think there'll be uh, too too much pity for him if he has uh, lost, uh, lost out £10,000 there uh, out of his own pocket. <laughs> right. 
but yeah how's the how's the week been going have you been uh, have you been glued to the tv set and and news and following all of the uh, happenings in uh, in the Followed states because i guess for for our listeners benefit we're recording now on on the sunday so yep. i guess the day after that that um it's been declared yeah following to to a certain extent but only because i did have a few bets on i had a few quid on um democrats to win michigan and arizona and pennsylvania so i was only interested from a betting point of view (laughs) if i hadn't had those bets on i probably wouldn't have bothered paying much attention to be honest Uh, but there you go um trying to think what else i've been doing uh finished off my resident evil series um with a one of the animated resident evil vendetta it's a cgi Um, movie i thought i really enjoyed it 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 felt a little bit uh video gamey in its design which is understandable but as as a movie i thought it was pretty good pretty good so there's another couple there's two more cgi resident evil movies one is from about 12 years ago which is going to look dated i imagine and there's another one but um checking out those Still striving to get to my 200 movies in the calendar year. I think oh. I need about 44 or something like that, or 42. So I'm I'm hitting the level of almost needing one a day. Yeah, you're getting there, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Okay. So stay yeah. tuned, listeners. Will I do it or not? Uh, the smart money is on not. And I I enjoyed your little uh, Instagram um, video sesh with uh, with Ben on the Outer Timers channel. That was yep. uh, that was nice with your little unboxing of some Star Wars figures. So right. uh, yeah, yep. fans of the uh, the show, uh, yeah, check that one out with yeah, uh, out Chief that. and Ben. It's about a fifty minute video of me and Ben unboxing a Luke Skywalker and Yoda Black Series two pack, and then just talking about other action figure stuff. So check that out. Uh, there will be a one off Outer Timer special coming out in the next couple of weeks, probably, and it is it's not going to lead to a redoing a a reimagining of the show it is just a one-off but stay tuned for that uh everything is tightly under wraps so yeah that should be exciting um what about you you, you, up to anything interesting this week i'll tell you what i watched i watched uh gi joe retaliation and uh gi joe rise of cobra which neither of those i don't think i've watched them since i saw them in the cinema so it's been a few few years so i watched those uh with thomas and yeah sort of enjoyed them they're a bit of a uh, bit of fun uh, I obviously had the expectations from having watched them bef- before and I thought uh, particularly with retaliation where it doesn't necessarily feel a lot like G.I. Joe in, in in a lot of places how that would be so I kind of tried to leave my brain at the door and, and sort of just enjoy it for what it was and yeah quite silly some of the CGI is is looking quite dated in in, in parts but yeah still still fun and and Rise of Cobra is uh, is sort of got its own charms you know there's that big ninja battle where they're yep. all hanging off the cliff, cliffs on their their ropes and and whatnot so yeah yeah uh, Way of passing the time, bit of <laughs> didn't didn't regret didn't re- regret the the rewatch, but yeah, I would very much like to to see a a, a lot more of a, a faithful take on the, the GI Joe franchise on the on the screen. So yeah. we'll see if uh, the Snake Eyes film delivers that at some point down That's the line. That's next year, is it? Uh, it will be well. Who knows these type these days? I think it was originally due for this year release. So, That's right. Yeah, um, yeah it's going to be hopefully some point next year. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, other than that, Chief is still looking for a house, finding it very difficult, 
but you know um time pressures are on uh, i've got another couple to look at next week i'll keep keep the fine folks updated on that uh, i've got back into painting some of my star wars imperial assault figures well i painted a nice obi-wan kenobi which i'll stick up on the socials that uh, came out pretty well and i was you know trying to indoctrinate evelyn into the ways of pop culture so i got her she drew a jab of the hut and a chewy this morning excellent okay i thought that was you who'd drawn it <laughs> jokes i'll put them up as well no so, they're yeah. good they're good i good know your kids there. do your kids do a lot of drawing and um you know they're pretty good and you yourself as well turn your hand to the pen on occasion i wouldn't say that was good but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when i'm comparing myself to to yeah, yeah the skills of a five-year-old or whatever yeah, yeah. then then i feel like i'm i'm okay speaking of action figures <laughs> which we're not but we're going to we've got this now <laughs> action figures we all love them we all love them action figures oh they bring us joy in our daily life. Bring us joy. Action figures. Yeah. Evoking memories from our childhood. childhood. But now we're grown and we just can't stop. Just can't stop. Buying plastic till our wallets pop, 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 pop. When will it end? Who can say? Who can say? Cause action figures are part of our DNA. DNA, DNA. Some people say maybe we've gone a little wacko, but action figures bring us joy like a rainbow. Like a rainbow. They are so hot like a splash of Tabasco. Now it's time for action figure fiasco. Now it's time for action Okay, more fiascos this week. Let's go. Do you want to start with the G.I. Joe character or do you want to start with the non-G.I. Joe character? Why not? Let's start with the, the Joe. Let's, Let's go start with it. the Joe. So here in front of me, I think you've got him as well. I've got the yep, Destro, classified 6-inch. Excellent. Yeah, the uh, the V1 Destro, not the uh, the Profit Director P. Diddy yes. Destro. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Now, okay, I'm just what I'm doing here is I'm checking all the usual faults with these classified joe's houses waist not bad houses legs not bad he is pretty stiff so to speak yeah he's solid pretty pleased with that um i said roadblock might have been my favorite of this line man now i've got this guy in my hand it's kind of that situation where whichever one you pick up suddenly becomes your favorite so <laughs> this guy's good nice stiff knee joints i like the boots here good good design good kind of detailing on that yeah, boot yeah. quite really simple nice. but but still a lot of detailing there um, yep. you know nonetheless it's sort of creasing of the trousers around the knee that's nice um this kind of he's got a floating belt but because it's attached to the the leg piece it doesn't float oh, yeah. up his midriff mm-hmm. too much yeah which is nice yeah um, and it hides the joint as well so hides yeah, the works. joint as well yeah. it's got a little gold pistol in there that's pretty cool um too muscly for you or not i'd say that's that's about the right amount i'd say okay yeah. I'm, i don't have any issues with that yep the face the head sculpt is fantastic it really is isn't it really really good um nice gold ah that's i, I didn't realize the the necklace was actually removable yeah the necklace is is okay. yeah is a is a separate piece so yeah you can uh 
yeah sort of pose yeah. that and i've seen people sort of using it to quite good effect like in an action scene where it's kind of almost swinging away from right from them okay. as, they're, as they're in action kind of thing so um yeah. how do you feel about this other gun he's got i don't mind it it's it's you know we've said that these weapons are a bit more sci-fi ish but this one it's got some nice red trim on it telescopic sight i don't mind that at all yeah, it's uh, it's a yeah fine looking gun. I, I think that yeah, my preference out of the two is probably the gold one, just because it fits so snugly in his oh, in his hand. I haven't taken it out of the and, holster yet. Oh, okay, right. there you go. Yeah. yeah. yeah all right, let's switch. His, I'm gonna switch it over. Pistol. His pistol finger fits very nicely in the right, uh, in that pistol it. grip. Let's try it live on the pod. Okay. But yeah, I think they've done well with you know with with Destro and Duke uh, with their with their holsters and and their yep. little guns that they uh, sort of very successfully sort of fitting them in. So does that other nicely. gun now fit in the holster? That bigger one? The bigger one doesn't, as far as yeah, I know. it does. Yeah. Does it really? Yeah. It fits it. Okay. And then the telescopic sight kind of comes to the outside of the oh, holster. Oh yes, it does. Yeah. Crikey, I just assumed yeah. it was too big. Crikey, yeah, very good. good. Wrist rockets on the right gauntlet. Nothing on the left gauntlet. And obviously he's got this um, Cobra attaché case with his mm -hmm. computer and the wads of cash. <laughs> Very good, yeah. But yeah, this figure, this figure, this figure's good, man. Yeah, this I would figure. have quite liked if if maybe one of the guns could fit in the in the that attaché case. Ah, right. I've not tried that. it. Does the not, gold one not fit? I've actually can't. I've not got the case in front of me, so I don't know. Okay. But, um, Let me have a look. Let's get this case out of his hand. Undo the clasps. Yeah, that's going to fit easy. Okay, cool. easy pickings. Yeah, it was more me, me thinking that that there's no way that that black gun would fit on his belt. So, all oh, right, okay. So you were looking for somewhere to put it. Yeah. Well, would but, a black uh, one fit in the case? No, uh, it's too big. It's too big. It's isn't a it? tiny, tiny bit too big. But yeah, there you go. Destro, everyone. Um, good figure. Good yeah. figure. And now, that, where that do you stand on profit, that, director? Uh, he's he's. Fun, a little bit of silliness. Um, I didn't go for him because I thought one Destro is enough. Yeah. Um, but I know that, yeah, my brother Pete, he's uh, he's the the one figure that he really wanted out of the yes. the entire run. So, yes. uh, fair enough. Okay. But Quite yeah, good. I think I think particularly that face sculpt. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of versions of Destros over over the year, over the years, and I think they've really got that balance of what makes a good Destro face in terms of how organic does it look, how yep. metallic and angular does it look. Um, you know, there's a lot of the, uh, there's a lot of the version uh, one in there still. There's, there's a lot of the cartoon Destro in that face, in that face. Um, I think they've sort of balanced all of the best bits of the, the kind of the different Destros uh, very, uh, very nicely really. So yeah, uh, yeah pretty spot on all yep. around I'd say. Yep. Good stuff, good stuff. Let's move on to another one. We've got another figure here, and I am. And now these figures are, even though they're six inch line, these classifieds, some of them skew a little bit bigger than like the Black Series Star Wars, even though they're all six inch. But now I've got a figure. This is this is probably about eight inches. It is mm. the McFarlane. It's from the McFarlane DC line. Now this multiverse line is a seven inch line. So interesting that they chose not to go this kind of standard six inch which hasbro do for all their stuff the power rangers the black series the gi joes and stuff they've gone a seven inch line um i guess they're thinking slightly bigger figures look more impressive in the toy shop so mm -hmm. parents might gravitate or kids might gravitate to the slightly bigger figures anyway this is from the seven inch line but it is the batman hellbat and because it's a guy in a big suit of armor it stands about eight inches tall now this i think a uh, jet black 
with red trim everywhere. So it's two color, two to, it's a bit mm-hmm. of kind of grayish in places, shoulder pads, knee pads, but and then gloss black and matte black, but very stark colors. I think this is from the Peter Tomasi, Pat Gleason, Batman and Robin run, okay. where Batman has to go to Apocalypse to rescue Damien oh, from Darkseid. Okay. And he has this Hellbat suit made. Um, quite angular, big studded shoulder pads, like he's like Legion of Doom from wrestling, mm-hmm. like American football studded pads. These clawed gauntlets with studs on the back. Um, doesn't come with any accessories, nothing to hold, two clawed hands. But um, this is a mighty imposing figure, and he does come with a couple of wings which you can clip yeah. on and pop them on now, and they, they fold out. Yeah, oh, they, yeah, they've got a, um, yeah, like a. What do you call it? Like a hinge. Yep, hinge on them. I'm going to lean over and see if I can find that that Tomasi book. I think it's on my shelf within yeah, reaching Mighty distance. impressive wingspan. But um, this figure is uh, really, really nice. Uh, you know, 20 quid. Great value for money. Um, good. You can get the head. You don't get too much articulation on the head up and down, but you get good left and right. You can do the shoulder pads are not attached to the upper arm. They're just to the shoulder. So they don't impinge on the movement too much but you can get some real great poses with this guy it's got a toe hinge as well uh, for, you know for even added posability the only downside with this figure i don't even mark's even there he's over at the book yeah no no I've, I've, i was uh, i was muting myself while i was flicking through the, okay the, the, the only the downside with this guy is super super loose hips so where that thigh goes up into the pelvis you sometimes when you try and stand him up his legs slide apart and he goes into the splits Oh, right. Ooh, um, so that is a bit of a problem, but uh, overall, really, really great figure. Yeah, I've had just... him doing some good poses with uh, Black Panther, which I think I shared with Mark, so I might get those ones up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at the at the uh, the Tomasi... So that would have been uh, near the end of the run, yeah, maybe around Batman, issue late yeah. 30s. Batman and Robin uh, Omnibus. Where is it? Let me see if I can find a chapter break. Are you a fan um, of that run? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked... Talk- sort of gravitate I guess towards some of the more grounded yeah Batman I had stuff, I had all the but... I had all the single issues and the three annuals and I was going to and then the crossover whatever um, the We Are Robin crossover and I was going to bind it custom bind it but then I reread it recently and I was like I really love the first arc and maybe up to about issue 10 and then the rest I enjoyed but I was like no I'm probably never going to read it again so I just sold them mm, all yeah yeah, I'm just flicking it through. I could probably quite easily re- reread this because a lot of it is uh, but it's a solid book, but I really in my memory already. But big fan of um, Pat Gleason's art as well. So, but yeah, I think in the in the comics it looks like the the outfit is a little bit sort of more pared back. So it's a more it doesn't quite have as much as that red trim, and it also looks no. a bit more slim line. So quite you know a little bit less of that uh, you know bulkiness to to the design. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a nice looking uh, like looking figure. I know when you you shared your photo of some of your co- your, your collection, my eyes did gravitate to that and, yeah. and sort of go, oh, that is uh, that is an interesting looking uh, and imposing uh, design there. Good stuff. Good stuff. More action figure fiasco next week. But now, comic talk. Oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer rides them cheap and Mark discuss them. Whoa. Comic talk, oh, comic talk. Larry Hammer rides them, Chief and Mark discuss them. Whoa. Okay, 
That's right, on today's show we are talking issues 246 to 250. It's the five-part dawn of the Arashikage story. And uh, quite a lot of changes, quite a lot of shift in tone. And, you know, it all starts with new artists on board, um, focus of one particular character for all five issues. But before we jump into the meat on the bones, let's have a look at the covers. Favourite cover. Okay, so here... You know, I wasn't aware that we have got an absolute plethora of covers here across these five <laughs> issues. So rather than go through every single one, I've picked out my top three. So, okay. you know, you pick out some that you want to discuss. We don't want sure. to be here all day. But, um, yeah, do, you know, I'll go first. So I think my first favourite cover, I'm going to skip forward to the next issue, 247. Okay. And I like the SL Gallant Artist Edition cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sort of. Uh, it's going kind of looking like that half finished uh, yeah. kind of look. look you can to see it. some blue line in the background, yeah. so it's you know it's not something that happens. Um, Dawn has got Cobra Commander on the deck, sword at his neck. Is it is it Scarlet coming rushing in from the background? I think uh, possibly. Could be. Yeah, I've only got the small one here, but yeah, um, I can't quite figure. It might be Baroness. It's yeah. uh, I've only got the the thumbnail in in the front okay. of my book. All right. Um, the next, I do quite like the um, shout out. Quick shout out to the Mindbender one from that issue as well from Royal. But the next one I'm going to is the next issue two four eight, and I really like the Deep Six one by John Royal. Oh yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Uh, anytime you see Deep Six in, in action, that's good. Dive down from. He's not coming out the shark, is he? He's well, he might be, but it's not in picture because he's got a, a tube that's going up off the page. Mm, but right. um, there's some sort of cobra underwater sub um, attacking him there. Uh, very good stuff there. Uh, the next one um, I'll pick uh, is... Well, I'm going to do four, actually. They both come from 249. Okay. It's the standard okay. Nitho Diaz cover A. Okay, very good. And it's Dawn holding a snake. Uh, just like the dynamics of that particular pose. Yeah, it's, uh, it's cool, isn't it? The, the the massive snake wrapped around Dawn and she's sort yeah. of holding it away from her. Yeah, it's a, it's a good composition. Yeah, and my other favourite from this issue as well is the Retail Incentive Yesteryear comics cover by Miguel Mercado. Yeah, very good. Serana yeah. on a kind of bar stool, legs up, feet up, holding a knife, just looking pretty badass. Yeah, agree, yeah. That that would be one of my favourites okay. from these as well. Pick sure. out pick out some of your favourites then. Uh, that, that one, yeah. So that's that's one of them, and I think Miguel Mercado did has got variants for for most well a few of these at any rate. Uh, the back of two fifty is 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 hilarious because that's got uh, that's got a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of the vari the variant covers in there. Um, yeah, because we're doing five issues, and there's at least uh, yeah. Five. Well, there's sort of on most of these. There's four, four standard variants, and then on the two fifty, we've got another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen kind of variants, uh, which is a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, in two fifty, uh, we've got a John Royal variant, which is uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow in a snow background, and and there's uh, the uh, Arishikage kind of symbol on on these pillars behind them and there yeah it's just quite a nice sort of iconic yep. shot and he might storm shadow might even be in his urban camo look i'm not entirely sure um because i'm again just looking at the uh, the um thumbnail here but uh the, there's a interesting story behind this one which was that it started off life as a commission for for the gi joe fan russ heathy we've talked about uh, on the show before 
and yes. he so he he got uh, got the commission from John Royal. He uh, then got it inked, and he also commissioned all of the the colouring as well. So the the cover, you, as you see, it was pretty much all entirely a private commission. At which point, uh, IDW decided they wanted to run it as a, a cover, and uh, and did with uh, without any, I guess, recognition to the fact that poor Russ had paid for all of this as a private commission, uh, but but ran it. Uh, so. That's, uh, I guess, one of the dangers of uh, of having a private commission that is looking so good and polished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It can just get stolen by the publisher. But uh, yeah, I think that would be uh, that would be the main one that I'd uh, I'd flag out of good. of this slot. Otherwise, we're going to be here all day. I think. Good, good. No, that's good. That's good. Um, okay, covers done. Like I say, all changed. This is Larry still writing, obviously. But now we've got Nitho Diaz coming on for this five-parter and he actually goes on to do some more art later on in the series uh inca is tiago gomez and colors uh milan pa- parvanov uh letters neil utikake or something like that um okay apologies uh, if you're listening neil right so let's start with the sit rep last time on a real american hero Dawn Moreno was once a gifted high school athlete whose unique physical abilities drew the attention of Cobra Commander. Recruited as a Cobra soldier, Dawn was immediately put under intense experimentation by the Cobra elite in order to see just how valuable she could be to their nefarious plans. It was during one of these experiments that Dr. Mindbender, utilizing his brainwave scanner, accidentally implanted the memories of the original, and now deceased, Snake Eyes into Dawn's fragile teenage mind pushing the girl to her mental limits and driving her to flee on her own. Now, as a haunted dawn struggles against visions of a dark past that does not truly belong to her, Snake Eye's long-time ninja comrades from the Arashikage clan, led by Granny Demon, have joined together to help Dawn overcome the walking nightmare her young life has become. Okay, so that's not really last time an American hero. I suppose it is a bit, it is, you know, I guess it's giving us the uh, dawn history so far because you're going to possibly need to know all that for what's yeah. coming if you're if you're jumping in as now so kind of a good good precursor to what's going on but this five issues uh chuck us out the actual kind of plot summary of what's going on here plot, plot breakdown. breakdown okay so boiling it right down after a bloody attack by red ninjas at the amusement park dawn is tracked by detective harada she takes the fight to the red ninja dojo but comes face to face with firefly Firefly flees on the rooftop of a train with Dawn in pursuit, followed by a team of Joes. The confrontation concludes when Zartan, posing as the Softmaster, grapples with Firefly and they fall off the train into the river below. The, do- the Joes take Dawn back with them, telling her that she has a place on the team once she completes her basic training. So that's a real cliff yep. notes, right boiled down of the, the five issues. Yeah, uh, yep. A whole lot of things happening well, in the detail there. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump into the details, but that's, that, like I say, this is kind of changes because previously we've seen Larry covering, you know, two, three, four subplots across a single issue, which is why, you know, this plot summaries have been quite vast previously because he's yeah. covering a lot of issues. Here, like you said, it is kind of just one one train of a storyline that's running through without much sub well kind of no there are no other subplots really going on it is just not too much deviation apart from that main story okay let's uh let's dig into the nuggets then with the talking points talking points right so straight off the bat we can see that diaz is going for let's talk about the art straight off 
Diaz yeah. is going for a different art style. I, I'm not familiar with the guy to know if this is his usual style or if he's adapted it for this story. Were, are you aware of the guy? Were you aware of his work before he took on this book? Yeah, so I think this was probably his most uh, has his biggest profile work to date. He, right. He's sort of still, I guess, a relatively new artist to, to the world of comics. At, at this point, he'd done a, f- a few books. I can't remember exactly what he's done off the top of my head, but it was uh, this is probably yeah, his his highest profile work, and, and not necessarily with a, a huge body of work behind him at at, at this point. Um, so I, I yeah, I think that this this is his his go to style, but but. It being probably the most prof- high-profile work that he's he's done, that I'm sure he's really wanting to make a splash and make an Im- a good impression, yeah. so that the the fans uh, recognise that that uh, you know hi- him as a as an emerging talent, and also to IDW that they'll want to you know give him more work by uh, by making that good first impression with yeah. his uh, his early work. Yeah. 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 So you know, it's very superheroish style. I think. Um, yeah, it's got a much more kind of modern superhero book look to it, and, and I was put in mind of you know who who you might you compare it to, and possibly someone like Mike Diodato Jr. Um, in terms of kind of uh, you know the level of detail that he's putting in in the yeah. in the page because. Uh, when you think of the GI Joe art, for the most part, in um, from from the team that we've we've had with SL Gallant and and a lot of those uh, iconic artists beforehand, like uh, Trimpy and and uh, like um, uh, Rod Wiggum, a lot they, they they they've got very precise, clear storytelling te- technique, which doesn't in- involve a lot of over rendering so not lots of um you know for example cross hatching and going really super into the details yeah. it's it's very about precise line work to kind of you know show the the the, the composition someone like uh someone like Rod Wiggum also quite often will will sort of pair back the backgrounds right back or or even you know a character in the foreground might be just complete silhouette or something like that it's it's very much sort of uh Art it to service clarity of uh, storytelling without being uh, flashy. Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, yep. Yep. And and yeah, this this is is a, is a more of a sort of modern looking style with flashier kind of uh, uh, kind of splash type poses of a, of an action book and and sort of not just that 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 the the layout of the panels and so on is. Is far less basic to what we'd be expecting to use, see uh, in a, employed in a, a in a GI Joe book. That yeah. you don't just have square panel grids. You've got a lot of bleeding from one panel into into another. Um, you know, cut diagonal uh, panels. Uh, the character breaking the borders of a, of a panel, and also the way that the art bleeds to the edges of the panel, uh, ed- edges of the page. Yep. Rather than it being a white border all the way around a, a pane, you're, you, we've got a lot of bleed to, of the art and the colour to the edge of the page, and where not, it's it's tended to be uh, blackboard panel borders as opposed yes. to the more typical white white panel borders. Yeah. Sorry, there's my rant on the on the okay. art. What, 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 what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not overly a fan of it to be honest. Uh, 
I'm not saying he's a bad artist at all, but for me, it's just a bit too superhero -y. Obviously, I like superhero books, but and we know that G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, is turning a bit superhero -y with the storylines that we're getting, but it just felt that, I don't know, it's a bit more palpable when palatable, it's a bit more palatable when Gallant's doing the drawing, even if it is a bit wacky storylines here. I don't know, I'm just getting full play splashes of Dawn mercilessly chopping up red ninjas. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it's just, it's not for me, it's not really my my thing. Lots of off-kilter camera angles, mm -hmm, yeah. you know, just, I don't know, it's, it's you know, like I say, yeah. not for me, not not bad, but, you know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be rushing to read. Nito Diaz, and again, no, no offence to him, but I, he's never gonna get me to buy a book with his name on it like you know oh there's a new book out it's drawn by nifo diaz okay fine that's not a draw for me sure and and i, I yeah i think that that there the art there's more going on and there's more sort of trying to make every page sort of almost uh a page that uh, an art collector might want to yeah. by in terms of it having a lot of it like a splash action yeah. and, and that kind of thing going on you mean Rather, like your brother like my brother who uh is, is yeah is, seems to have bought an obscene amount of uh, nitho diaz pages yeah. <laughs> um and and i can see you know i can see the the uh, appeal because quite often what what a page that services the story more will be a lot more simple and pared back yes. and it will help with understanding what's happening in the in the story also, in the flow of the story but but maybe less appealing as an individual page to yeah. uh you know to buy as an art collector or to just look at purely in its own aesthetic kind of terms yeah and also like you said if if diaz is trying to make a name for himself he's probably going to go all out a bit more and and make every yeah, page a bit more special to to show look marvel dc no disrespect to idw but you know come and hire me on for on for your x-men book or something um, absolutely and and it's actually worth calling out that we've got we've you know got neither diaz here on the pencils but we've also got a, a brand new art team on the inks yes, and, and on the colors. The, the colors and and those are also going to be very different jobs because brian shearer's sort of role as, a, as an inker was i think really to to just tighten up what was on the page or already from sl gallant but but you know there isn't a huge amount of necessarily complex shading going going on whereas with i think nitho diaz diaz pencil work there's a lot more intricacy there which is going to probably need a slightly more considered approach to to how it's interpreted it's not going to be a simple matter of just drawing over the over the top of an existing line there's going to be uh it's probably slightly more decision making making need to to be be happening and on the colors um, we you know shifted from Jay Brown's colours to uh, to the the new chap, which is uh, Milan uh, Parvanov, and it's a, and there's also a striking difference to the to the colouring, which is that they've gone I guess for a, a bit more of a almost a painterly look. It is a, a it's it's a less um, a kind of or pastely, isn't it? Kind yeah, of mu sort of, muted colours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, slightly slightly more muted. Yeah, you're probably right right there but but also sort of uh more sort of textures to, for example to to the to the kind of color uh 
palette. It's a it's a different uh, it's a different colouring style for sure for for what we've been used to for the, for the last little while uh, and well probably for almost all of the the work yeah. that we've seen on uh, GI Joe to to yeah. date. So yeah, quite okay, a deviation from the norm across the let's art team. Dig into some of the actual story. Um, so do we like this Harada guy? So there's some sort of <coughs> excuse me. There's some sort of detective guy who's been sent to look at the case. It turns out he's got a big back history with ninjas and the Rashikage clan. And he is pretty much your one-man exposition force. Because he is (laughs) telling all the readers and these two police clowns that he's with, uh, you know, giving them all the background and all the info. Do, Do we like him or not? Uh, I I tend to like a lot of the the background secondary characters that that Hammer introduces to yeah. to the Joe world. Um, I do have a yeah I do have a fondness for for those sort of non toy based team based uh, you know characters that are are introduced into his his world. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's I I t- do tend to in- enjoy them. There is an awful lot of exposition going on there, and some interesting yeah. jumps in uh, in logic there that that Harada makes as as well, which are uh, at times a little bit uh, yeah. <laughs> odd. Yeah, I mean he's um, talking about you know. Um, you know, working out that it was a girl and she's killed three with one sword stroke. I mean, this is nothing new to the world of, of G.I. Joe comics, I guess, with um, detective work having gone yeah. on with some of the characters working out how someone was killed and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Nothing new comics in general. He... <laughs> yeah. The deductions that he, he makes. And I kind of, you kind of work out as the story progresses that some of them aren't pure deductions just from looking at the evidence on the ground yes. but yes. from what he knows about um yeah. the, the 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 ninja world yeah well he already. mentions at some point let me just get my pad of notes here um uh one of the one of the one of the police guys says something like uh, the government's using ninjas and uh he goes like uh, something like um yeah how else do you think things are getting done <laughs> very good one of his deductions that i liked was or sort of observations on the crime scene was that he said you can clearly see the indentation on the side of the head yeah. made from a clasp of a prada bag <laughs> <laughs> that might okay. be that might clearly, feature, clearly that might feature later in my uh, favorite line of dialogue oh no <laughs> no that's good that's all right that's fine that's fine um yeah, lots of flashbacks being told here because what's actually happening here, Dawn, so last we saw Dawn was kind of doing that that, that troop, she was with that ninja troop doing displays yeah. on stage and now she's she's buggered off with Granny and... Yeah, it's like jump, it's, it's kind of a jump cut, isn't it? Yeah. Last, on the previous cliff, cliff hammer that the ninjas were about to attack and now we've jumped right to the aftermath. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm still... You know, am I stupid? I guess, but what is, what's, what's the play here for Dawn and Granny? I'm just n- not sure what's happening. Like, what's their, what's the, what's, what's the end game? game? What are they up S- to? So, so yeah, Dawn has been at the amusement park being trained by Granny. They've been attacked by these red ninjas, and I guess Dawn has gone full berserker, probably Snake Eyes mode. Yeah. in defending them and, and leaving the carnage behind in, in the wake. And then I guess the, the, the subsequent play is to kind of figure out, figure out what has happened, you know, here. Why have they been attacked and how can they almost meet, meet their revenge? And so, so Dawn is able to get some intel from pickpocketing uh, the police to then pursue down the uh, the base of the the attackers, which is where she then 
then yeah. goes and, and meets out some vengeance against uh, that second lot of... Uh, yeah. And meanwhile, Harada has got some secret file which contains all the names and addresses and, and everything and locations of these red ninjas. And he gets pickpocketed by Dawn, am I right? And yeah, dressed up as a, a sort of Pokemon yes, bear. Thing. that's right. And um, so then he's all worried. And a couple of things stuck out to me here. He's like, ah, there's no point in changing the password. They'll have got into this <laughs> file long before we can do that. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you just get your phone up, you log into your account, and you hit password reset button. So, yeah. you know, I that, thought exactly the same. You could easily do that. Um, and it's, it's literally just happened, you know. It, yeah. it takes time to find, you know, for, for Dawn to be able to break into it yeah. and, and do all that. <laughs> and my other thing was surely Granny or the rest of the team, her Rashikage people, they'd have all this information anyway. Uh, they? they would know yeah, about I mean, the Red Ninjas. Yeah, I guess you'd think that. I guess but, that that would make anyway. sense because ninjas know everything already, anyway. Anyway. But yeah, I guess the, it's the, another it's another way to show how sneaky Dawn is, yeah. and to kind of definitely get Harada uh, on her case, so to speak. Um, but the, the, other... spe- the speed of time for Harada to kind of surrender on that issue is, yeah. you, you know, you'd think that he, he wasn't Japanese, that he would be French. Yes. Sure. <laughs> um, there's other Joes in this book. There's a team of Stalker, Scarlet, uh, Snake Eyes. Who else is there? Rock and Roll. Uh, a couple of other people. Grunt is there. And Yeah. Grunt? Yeah. Was, and what's Grunt doing back on the team? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I yeah, thought he'd retired. Someone, please, please let me know if if there has been an explanation of why Grunt would be back on yeah. the team. But we saw him in that hostage. He got he got taken as a as a hostage and then was rescued by the Joes. But did I? I don't remember him saying that he remember. wanted to join the Joes. No. Um, back at the end of it, that would yeah. seem a bit illogical. Yeah, he was and like an, he's an engineer or something, wasn't he? Yeah. So, What's their mission? While Bill's choppering him in somewhere, and they're doing what we see they're just killing yeah, bad this, guys this is just a bit of a, a random side plot really isn't it it's i think just an excuse to have sean collins looking right. badass they, they're right. on a, a yeah a, a mission just to take down some uh somewhere in the middle east some, some cell of terrorists some, yeah. and yeah snake eyes just bursts in and and sort of yeah. looks completely badass and, and takes them all, all yeah. down and it's not like we needed that i suppose yeah that that's the reason for it because they do show up later in the last issue they jump on uh the space shuttle and uh hot hot foot it over to japan because they're needed to kind of quell or or um, yeah, support the support whole dawn the dawn mission because now yeah. what do, happened dawn? She's been confronted by Firefly out of nowhere. Yeah, there we go. He's with the the rest of the uh, the the, uh, the 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 red ninja renegade yeah. wonks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just flicking through his issues. It's very violent. Some of this stuff. There, there is. This is one of my my bullet points. Was that the level of gore and blood in these issues? Um, is I think nothing like we've seen in the Joe bef- Joe books no. before. There is an awful lot of gore, an awful lot of blood. Yep. Um, there's a there's a bit um, where in this is two four eight where yeah, is that a, is this a silent issue two four eight? Is it the which way around is it? Is it the I think I'm it's the, yeah 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 silent issue yeah two four eight is a silent issue ah, okay yeah yeah and it it, it has a, uh, a big segment as well which is a flashback to the original silent issue but it's in this it's in this issue and um yeah dig dig it dig it dig it out to have a look yep, at this but it, yep, there's a yep. there's a segment where 
Dawn, uh, this is yeah, in, actually right in the middle of the book. Yep. Um, Dawn slices through two nin- red ninjas at the same time. One sword in you know, one sword in each hand and one yes. ninja on each sword. Yeah. And then uh, and then a big explosive uh, go goes off, and she uses these ninjas that have as a, as a uh, meat been shield. impaled as a meat shield yeah. <laughs> to uh, to defend herself from uh, protect shield herself from uh, the grenade that's going off in front of her. Yeah. It's uh, that is pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah. And on the last page of that issue, Firefly shows up. He's got a very small rocket launcher in his hand. It looks very undersized, but um, anyway, quite. Yeah, yeah. I think the scale there. of that one it sort of comes and goes a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. At, at certain times, I think some of uh, Nitho's kind of um, are scaling. You know, some of the yeah. the kind of details of of these things kind of goes a little bit wonky. Yeah. And um, are we? But, led to believe that Dawn is seeking revenge on Firefly because when they confront Firefly says the Arashikage must be desperate if they're sending little girls after me and Dawn says they didn't send me I came on my own I came to settle Mm. a score so I assume that's Snake Eyes talking the original Snake Eyes V1 talking to settle what score just uh, just the long running um, ninja feud that they've had since back in the Marvel days it's a little bit uncomfortable clear to to me so so it, it could be one of a few things going on so it could be that 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 she's deduced that it's firefly is the guy behind the uh, red ninja attack in the amusement park yep and uh, as kind of the brains behind that that operation she's coming back to get revenge it could be something to do potentially with the soft master and getting revenge for that but then there's okay. also got this dialogue a bit later on where um, Dawn says, I know what you did at the sword shrine. You have to pay for that. Um, and I'm not sure if that's something that we know what that okay. is. Yes. Um, he right. says, yeah, there's only one person who know, knew about that and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Even Larry doesn't know. But um, <laughs> Yeah, and it, it might, it, it might be it, that this is a reference that I should be getting, but yeah. I can't for the life of me think what. And then Firefly's got a confront. He's got a gun, and he says, "Now I'm going to have to kill you." And Dawn says, "As soon as I see your finger tighten on the trigger, you'll be dead before you hit the floor." <laughs> but she, she's going to kill him anyway. So why is she almost giving him a option to not fire the gun? Because if he doesn't fire the gun, she's going to kill him. If he fires the gun, she's going to kill him. I don't understand. Yeah. Anyway, not sure. Yeah, um, uh, the, the the big fight ensues here, and then he's got some crazy drone thing. Oh, is it, yeah, this is the robotic drone yeah. uh, tank, little mini tank thing yeah, that sort it. of yeah. Uh, is is yeah honing in on uh, Dawn, and she's using him as a, a shield to stop getting uh, yeah shot by it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it, it, she deduces that. Um, uh, so it can't shoot through you to get to me. Kind of a problem. And she says, he says, you you can't keep me between me and the drone forever. I don't intend to. I'll bet that thing is only programmed to recognise you visually. So your value as a shield is not dependent on you being alive, is it? Oh, yeah. oh kill him at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's she waiting for? She's come for revenge. Why is she not killing him? Yeah, and it's not like she's not fast enough to, because yeah. you know she's established. She's, she's dispatched <laughs> about a hundred red ninjas already. Yeah, and she's she's faster than you know, faster than, than his trigger finger to be able to to you know slice him apart. So yeah, yeah. you know, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I I really struggled here. I I almost 
skim read the last part of this issue without actually reading it fully yeah i think particularly the silent issue it's very easy to to very quickly sort of uh you know flick flick through it um i i kind of went back and basically read it twice i went once to uh once to just you know read it and then the second time to sort of start making a, a, a few a few notes uh yeah yeah. yeah actually the black major shows up here doesn't he meanwhile in dark lonia that's right yeah so so at that. the back of 249 they uh they're tying up that thread in dark lonia so yeah we were left on that uh cliffhanger with the the team that were in uh, dark dark lonia the the shield doors had come down and they sort of just tie that up uh on a on a single page i think is it or just very very briefly um where they say they get back in dark yeah the the black major get back inside and says oh They've escaped. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. it's almost like Larry's like, oh, I can't be bothered to wrap up this this part. And, oh, we're already a couple of issues into into this new five-parter and I've forgotten to, to resolve that previous cliffhanger. Yeah, Maybe yeah. let's do something with that. Always nice to see a techno viper, though. So Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, redeem yeah. himself with, uh, with that if, if, nothing, if nothing else. We also get a bit of an explanation as to what's going on with the the Red Ninjas because I think it's always been a little bit confusing as to exactly what the Red Ninjas are really meant to kind of represent. Yes. Um, and yeah, so they've got this explanation that they're outcasts, outcasts, renegades from rival clans, and ostracized former Arashikage. Um, so it's kind of explaining a little bit, and, and some of that exposition via Rada as well, sort of explaining kind of you know what the da- dynamics uh, between the clans and where this rivalry comes from so yeah, uh, yeah maybe a bit of handy exposition yeah. in, more in flashbacks in the next one to issue 26 is it or 2027 i think where yeah on the subway got, that's right back car. to snake eyes the origin issues where on the, they're on the top of the the, the car yeah um, and <laughs> thanks, Joe. Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah, what's that? She hoovering. It's a nice bit of hoovering. Um, yes, I've got a sign on my door that says "Recording, no sounds, please." Legend, at, legend at work, have you? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> legend at work. <laughs> yeah, genius happening inside. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the the silent issue flashback was quite interesting. I think that's a a four page uh, flashback in there. And and I actually put the page the the books side by side, and it's a an almost four page panel by panel retelling of issue twenty twenty one, but with uh, you know slightly different camera angles, and also obviously in the the Nitho Diaz uh, style. So yeah, that was sort of interesting to to see, and it was you know utterly faithful as well. So yeah, um, yeah, not telling us anything new, but I guess it's uh, it's sort of scratching a real nostalgia itch and you know re, sort of re-showing re-showing that classic uh issue in a in a modern kind of uh art style as well yeah um did you pick up there was a a use of the word wonks again larry does this thing where he likes he gets on a he has a favorite expression and then he'll ram it in quickly in as many issues you know several times in the space of a few issues uh this time we had puzzle palace pu- puzzle palace wonks uh, Puzzle Palace being <laughs> the Nas- National Security Agency. Um, the other thing was that I shot across on uh, on WhatsApp uh, last last night some of uh, 
the the Hammer sketches that yes, he'd done yes, as part of them. the script room for this. So yeah. uh, we'll we'll put those on the on the socials. But yeah, it's an interesting part uh, that when Larry's doing his scripting, if there's a particular way that he's visualizing something, um, he'll sometimes just sketch it out. Uh, as a kind of an appendix to his script so that, that, you know, the artist can kind of really properly follow the way that uh, Larry is visualising these things. So he did quite a few pages for these these ones. You know, one of them was the, the snake eyes bit where he's on that mission. He throws his guns up in the air, grabs some ammo belts, uh, some uh, ammo clips off his belt, holds them out and then the uh, and then they slip into the uh, into the weapons. Uh, yeah, yes. interesting yeah. behind the scenes uh, stuff there. Yeah. Um, the Joes have got a secret weapon on this. Yeah, on this and this intercept. is what threw me. Did you? I had to read this a couple of times yeah, to so actually understand what was going on. Well, they arrive and they got Budo in there, and yeah. they're like, "We've got a secret weapon." He's like, "Yeah," and so I was like, "Okay, Budo, what's he going to do? What's his? He's got some secret connection to Dawn or the Rashikage that we haven't found out yet, and he's going to reveal some hidden knowledge that's going to help defuse the situation." Um, and then he doesn't really appear again, but then suddenly the Softmaster turns up. Yeah, and I'm like, got... wait a minute. Was have they resurrected him? Is he is he like a clone or something, or was he actually not dead and he's here? I'm like, wow, this is you know Larry's digging in the well deep here, and then of course it's actually Zartan. Yeah, I got to the end of two fifty first time round, and then and thought, hold on, what was this big thing with Budo? He's not he's not appeared at all. Where, yeah. Why why was Budo so important? It was only on the second rereading yeah. that I realised that that yeah Budo was actually Zartan all along, and it was just a way of yeah. having uh, having us not realise who who uh, Zartan was yeah. posing. Because had yeah. they have put Zartan in the chopper and said Zartan's our secret weapon, the soft master bit would have been you know yeah. okay that's Zartan. There's no less, much less surprising. Yeah, no intrigue there. Had they have put the soft master in the chopper saying he's our secret weapon then that kind of, I don't know, bit telltale. But having Budo and then Softmaster, Larry's just trying to throw everyone off the scent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked, yeah. <laughs> Almost yeah. entirely to the yes. point of me not understanding what was going on correct, at all. But correct. I got there. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about in this one uh, from, a, from a talking points point of view? Yeah, the only one was, was I, had a, I had an am I stupid moment. Am I stupid? And that was that at, towards the uh, yeah towards the end of it, I think particularly they act like Sean has never met Dawn before, right? Um, whereas they were, you know, that whole sequence where they were underneath the um, Springfield Center and then back at the Dreadnoughts uh, garage yes, after being you know escaping, uh, that they were together at, at that point. So um, yeah, that that sort of dynamic where where it seems like sean's never quite encountered dawn before seems a little bit strange but um you know not not a a major issue the the other thing that i noticed was that um yeah for most of this i think they're they're sort of saying that that snake eyes is in charge of dawn and they kind of make the point that dawn as snake eyes is is silent and almost dialogue free um and actually when she says guns um in one at one point when she's just um uh she's just sort of roughed up the uh the the yakuza uh sort of people when she's gone to to sort of get the guns out of their their back room yep. um is said in a very raspy voice sort of i guess emphasizing that snake eyes isn't used to to speaking and so uh, you know finds it difficult to to speak even through uh 
you know, Dawn's functioning yeah. larynx or whatever. Um, but then in subsequent issues, I guess probably from uh, 249 onwards, she's very chatty in terms of the, you know, the dynamic with uh, um, Firefly and everyone else. So I don't know whether that's a kind of intentional thing of, of sort of saying that, that almost Dawn and Snake Eyes are fusing in, in terms of becoming a single personality, that, that, that there's a lot of the Dawn personality, but then a lot of the Snake Eyes memories and skill set there too. Or, or whether it was just an overthought and that, that Larry forgot that he was trying to make Dawn entirely mute. Yes, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, good spots, good spots. Um, let's just hit us up with the, our favourite bit of scripting. Okay, so my one, uh, we've already covered, it was Harada when he says, uh, you can clearly see the indentation on the side of the head made from the clasp of a Prada bag, and I would bet that Prada bag was weighted with a brick. <laughs> um, what have you got for us? Uh, I picked. I went for this one. Snake Eyes has only got one setting, Max. <laughs> yeah, Max. Short what? Sweet. Max. Yeah, Max. All Max power. Yeah, yeah. To the max. Um, Bodacious. Good stuff. Good stuff. But any th- any little gems you uh, came across here? I spy with my little eye. Yeah. So so I guess my general thought was probably I suspect with with sort of uh, Shannon moving on from the book. And I think his general sort of mischievousness and playfulness will probably see a few of those, a uh, few less of those Easter eggs in the, in the background uh, and things like that. But we did, uh, there was one scene where the cosplayers were, were sort of getting their lunch in the amusement park canteen in issue 247, where there was a little scene of, of various cosplayers dressed up as uh, different things. So there was the uh the bear suit that that dawn had which was sort of pikachu inspired there was yes, a mario yeah. a power ranger a teenage mutant ninja turtle and uh, a few other characters there that uh, i didn't really recognize as i don't think i'm familiar enough with the anime stuff that they were based on um the other one was uh one of my favorites stop Hammer time! Yep. So that was when uh, Firefly is fighting with uh, Dawn on top of the train and he says, What now, girly? You're going to beat the soles of my boots with your face? <laughs> yep. And uh, a nice uh, re-emergent of uh, that favourite uh, joke of uh, <laughs> Larry's. Yep, yep. Very good, very good. Okay, well, let's uh, round out the issue with a bit of this. Who is the MVP? Most valuable person in these issues Who is the MVP? Is it a Cobra Joe or the enemy? The good guys are the Joes now show Counter-terrorist force but hush it's on the down low Pages of this book go have a look We're searching for guys or gals that have the hook the hookup being the best thing in the story Chomping up scenes front and center allegory And let's not forget about those cats named Cobra Sipping Dom Perignon, are you sure they're sober? Brainwave Scanner is back, gonna be messing Big CC and Destro teach a lesson Talking valuable, can we talk the dreadnoughts Grape soda, chocolate donuts and then the jukebox Who is the MVP? Most valuable person in these issues who is the MVP? Is it a Cobra Joe or the enemy? Okay, MVP. Is it possible to select someone who went above and beyond the call of duty to win your vote, sir? Um, who you got? 
Uh, I think I'm going to go with Red Ninja 37 and 38, uh, who were used as kebabs to protect uh, Dawn from uh, explosions. Very good. Very good. I like it. I like it. Um, good stuff. I think oh, I str- no one really was like, ah, oh, this person's you know doing fantastic stuff here. I thought the Firefly appearance was pretty lame. Um, I'm not a massive Dawn fan anyway. I might go with Harada just for his his uh, unrelenting knowledge of all things ninja. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go, there you go. Um, we can't leave this storyline without giving it a yo joage And um, shall I go first? Um, I'm going yeah, you first. Yeah, go first, go on. Go and uh, this... Brrr, four, four Yo-Jo's. You will find this somewhere near the bottom of all the G.I. Joe comics I've ever read, I think. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I th- I'm I find it quite difficult to yo-jo this one because I quite like the I quite like the fresh start that it it brings. I do I do like Nitho Diaz's uh, art, although I, I I see I see the pros and the cons with it, and I think that that you know some of the clarity of storytelling is is slightly overshadowed by some of the flashiness of it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it. <sighs> It was a five-issue art, and it felt almost like a one-issue story in, t- yeah. in, in parts. So, um, yeah, I think depending on my mood, I could rank this anywhere from a, a five to a, a almost a high seven. I don't know. Um, let's say, let's say six. Yeah. Okay. All right. Six from the Funky Bunch. Uh, next week, episode ninety-nine. We will, so we've got five special mission one-offs coming up. Um, what do you think we should cover next week? Should we cover three of them? Do you think five's probably too many? I think to do five individual one-offs is probably too many to do on one yeah. episode. So should we do three? Let's let's try for that. Go on. Let's try for that. Um, we might end up doing if they're really in depth. We might end up doing two, but make sure you read the first three. So two five one to two five three and we'll cover either two or three of those next week. And then, of course, the following week, uh, episode 100, 100, just to put you in the picture, we're getting the whole gang back together. Um, All the hosts of Talking Joe and its illustrious two years of um, production will be on the show. We're not going to be talking about any specific comics, so don't worry about that. It's going to be general chit-chat, but we will also be discussing G.I. Joe, the movie, animated style. So we'll be discussing that amongst other stuff. Um, so stay tuned for that in two weeks' time. But right now, uh, I want to hear about some G.I. Joe toys, and you're the man to tell me about them. Mark talks about toys, ho, ho. He talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Mark talks about toys. Mark talks about toys. Okay, so who are you guessing I want to talk about today? I was thinking we might have already had Firefly, um, but I'm going to put him as a possible because we, you have covered some stuff that other guys have covered before. So Firefly's a possible. I'm going to go real super left field, and there's no collusion here. So if I get it right, it is pure chief skill. Um, I'm going for Budo. <laughs> <laughs> so, so those answers are very interesting. Okay. Because it, that was almost precisely my thought process. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought uh, Firefly would be my number one pick. Yeah. But I think he's been covered. So I should probably go 
Budo because I don't think he has been covered and okay. he's, he's quite a cool figure. But, 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 you didn't. but I prefer Firefly, so I'm just going to talk <laughs> about him anyway. Okay, good, good. Um, Firefly in general, or are you talking about V1? I'm going to talk about V1. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so Firefly V1 was uh, he was series three from 1984, and yeah, we've seen him come back in a few different guises. There has been, by Yojo's count, uh, 28 different versions of uh, Firefly. Uh, we've obviously had the the version two and three hideous. Uh, neon green which yeah. uh, chris likes so much yeah uh, and then uh, they had him you know over the the next few releases it was essentially much the same classic firefly look with uh, from the version one in slightly different uh, colorings uh, and, and then sort of in the modern sort of 25th anniversary style and, and whatnot uh, but yeah i am going to be talking about firefly version one is it a, a figure that you had or have yeah, I've got that. I've got the Firefly. I've still got my original version one. No thumbs on either hand, I don't think. No. Um, I've, I've I do seen, have his I backpack. Just, I don't have his gun. I have I went and bought a few of uh, the vintage figures myself, and uh, Firefly was as one that I've re-picked up. And actually, my version is, is missing both of his fingers as well. So I suspect that that might be a, a common issue with, with him. He does, yeah, have that backpack. You said you've got the backpack, right? Got the backpack, yes, not the and gun. That, and that comes with a little removable Correct. hatch got from that, the yeah. backpack yep. as well, which I imagine sort of probably goes. And, and then he had a walkie-talkie as well. Which oh, I, did he? Okay. Again, imagine is is often uh, one of those little uh, annoying things that can get lost very easily. He had a very cool gun. Uh, so uh, it's yeah, like a submachine gun with... Uh, uh, yeah, a, a sort of a nice little grip on there, and the, that that sort of front end to it with a sort of, I guess, the ventilation holes that, that are in it. Um, yep. Whether that's going to be silenced or not, I'm not entirely sure. But but yeah, very very cool looking gun, which they've sort of tried to uh, include in a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the guises. And actually, there's a there was a nice bust statuette done of Firefly as well okay. in that modern V. That's right, in the original V1. Uh, look to him again with that that classic uh, that cl- classic gun that he's got, yep. which uh, I'm looking out for. I've got uh, quite a few of those statues, okay. um, and yeah, that's one that I would very much like to add to my collection at at, at some point. I'm actually selling a um, Palisades Zartan statue and a Crimson Guard statue. I know you got your eye on the Zartan one. Um, yeah, you got to let me know what you decide on for that. So I'll I'll, once it. I get a price, um, Funky Bunch has got first dibs. And then if he declines, it will go out to the open market. But the Crimson Guard, for sale, anyone out there uh, wants pictures or either of those statues, wants to buy them, uh, hit me hit me up on the socials. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, back to Firefly. Firefly. So, so what, who is this guy then? So his far name's classified, his birthplace is classified, his speciality is sabotage, demolitions and terror. No one knows what Firefly's real name is or what he looks like. He is known by his work. Expert in all NATO and Warsaw Pact explosives and detonators. Always places his charges in the one place that affords maximum damage. There is no question about his infiltration skills, since no one has ever reported seeing him enter or leave any target area. 
Even Cobra Commander doesn't know much about Firefly. His fees are paid into a numbered Swiss bank account and are always payable in advance. He makes no guarantees and gives no refunds. Uh, so yeah, very cool, very mysterious uh, sort of character from the file card. The the figure itself is just you know utterly, can I say perfect? Yeah, it's it's you know it would definitely be in my top uh, top five GIO Joe figures all time. I, I love I love the design of the characters that that sort of grey camo, the you know the little touch of the fire of the Cobra insignia, yep. the little. Uh, roll neck top to him his his you know sort of molded pouches and and grenades uh just you know nice textures all over him and he's just it's sort of that that sort of balance of of you know being a a very simplistic look but also lots of little fine fine details in there and in the world of comics in in battle action force which is where i first read about uh, Firefly. He had some quite cool sort of solo stories, really sort of playing up that sort of saboteur aspect of uh, his right. special specialization, where you know he is that mysterious guy, sort of sneaking in, laying the explosives, and and sort of the Joe's trying to foil him, and, and him being you know a real threat. In the in the pages of the Marvel run, he was being much less of a you know, a solo threat through most of it. So he was a bit of a secondary character when he was first introduced. He was sort of in the in the swamps with Wild Weasel being, you know, chased down by the by the Joes. Then, yep. you know, he was just a passenger on the back of the, the ferret quad bike when Scrap Iron blew up the, the Softmaster and Co. In, in, that, uh, in that car. And then there was a you know a few appearances here and there but very secondary really and then until until he was then kind of revealed as as having that that ninja background at which point uh, you know it, it, he had it was portrayed with a bit of a almost sort of comedic kind of buffoonish personality in, yeah. in places so i've always felt a little bit disappointed in, in terms of how he's being pre- portrayed in in the uh, real american hero uh, book and and sort of where, where you know how he's being shown in these issues is a little bit closer to to kind of you know how I'd like to him to be seen, which is you know in the classic uh, look and and sort of you know quite a badass kind of uh, <laughs> sort of personality ruthlessness uh, to to him, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's appeared in some of the other continuity as well. He's been in the pages of the Devil's Due book. He sort of had a, quite a big. Uh, uh, storyline in the pages of the the cobra book um and and so on so so there's yeah pl- other places you can kind of look to 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 find maybe a slightly more ruthless uh saboteur uh firefly yeah there stuff. we go there's there's my rant and it sort of what's what's uh what's your take yeah big big fan of especially from a character point of view those early appearances you know especially the all fall down stuff and up until he becomes ninjified, you know, <laughs> fantastic. And then his, like you said, his in the IDW Cobra book where they've taken him back to the grey, back to his saboteur mould. You know, he's pretty vicious and ruthless in that run. And figure-wise, this first figure, I always wondered if the head was slightly undersized. Um, I I don't think it is, but just my perception. But this figure for me, very loose joints means it's got a lot of play. You know, a couple of bro- I think he had a broken pelvis as well as uh, no, I think it's one thumb broken, the pelvis broke. But I'm surprised I kept hold of the backpack with the little 
um, front covering and that didn't get lost. But yeah, I think it's quite tight, so that that helps. It's right. not just going to wobble yeah. off. But yeah, no, great great figure, top ten for me as well, all time. I think we're on the same page there. So yeah, yeah, love love the Firefly. Right, more toys next week, but we're changing pace because we're going over here, and I'm going to try and not offend Richard Straw. You're listening to Talking Joe, and now for something completely different. <laughs> the Star Wars Galaxy sure has a lot of playgrounds. Playgrounds. Jedi Knights, Evil Sith, Bounty Hunters, all doing the rounds. Doing the rounds. But there's a guy so cool, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Now expand your mind and be a Star Wars historian. Historian. It's 10 Minute Mando. He's chasing a star. It's 10 Minute Mando. He loves Beskar. It's 10 Minute Mando in a galaxy far, far That's away. right. It is. The clock has started. It is Mando Madness Season 2, Episode 2. And um, what's this one called? Passenger. I think I know this one's called Passenger. It is. Chapter 10. That's the it. Passenger. Directed by Peyton Reed of Ant-Man fame. And okay. written by John Favreau. Right. Um, it's... It's kind of more the same from the first episode of this season in that it's not progressing the story the overarching storyline much Uh, i think we're probably on a path of him just wandering around the galaxy now with the kid in tow very much lone wolf and cub style (laughs) so as long as you're on board with that and you're not wanting to rush to the end then you'll probably find a lot to like here and I th- yeah. think it was okay. I enjoyed. The, I mean, the, I'll get the stuff I didn't like out of the way first of all. So, I like the the few comedy elements where he's got that the woman. I can't think what her character's called, and she's doing the translating for the lizard oh, yeah. woman and Mando, and she's kind of doing all the all those sound effects. <laughs> oh, that was quite funny. She's going off to meet her husband who's set up like a, a new life for her on another system. She's got all her eggs in a jar. Um, the bit I didn't really get was the kid likes eating these eggs. Yeah, <laughs> He does. Um, and they kept doing it. He's looking at the jar mm. and he's sneaking them. The Mando's telling them off. They kept up this running theme so much through the episode. I was like, wow, this is going to go somewhere. He's going to eat them all. She's going to kill him. Something bad's going to happen. He's going to eat one. It's going to sprout out of his gut or something. Mm. But nothing actually happened. It was just pointless. Well, it just yeah, didn't I go mean, anywhere. Frog, frog Lady's still on board the ship, so who knows? Okay, you know, we right, might, of course. Might, this, yeah, it, I suppose. It's got, yes. got room to play out still. Okay, fine. But, <laughs> but I just thought it was very weird storytelling. It felt like they're trying was. to cram... A lot into 36 minutes, and it was, it was, I spoke to Westjobs, and he goes, "Maybe it's a play on the uh, Return of the Jedi, where Chewie gets the meat, um, and they get up in the tree walk trap. Great, Chewie, always thinking with your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> He's also he also eats the porgs as well in uh, in episode eight as well. Chewie does so, right, uh, yeah. Got one of those uh, those little uh, bird creature things yeah, yeah, on, yeah, on yeah, the spit. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, but yeah, that the child in it, its disturbing desire to eat these unborn <laughs> unborn frogs uh, after after yeah after the frog lady has literally put all of her eggs in one yeah, basket. This, this poor um, frog lady, yeah. She and, and yeah, she's sort of explained that her speed, you know, she she and her husband are the only you know creatures left from her species and and they're on the brink of extinction so this is her one opportunity to (laughs) to not let her species die out so not only is you know the the child having a a weird frog spawn you know snacky treat but he's he's also in some ways maybe committing genocide (laughs) yeah but we've seen this kid not really not really have a moral compass because 
he's witnessed some horrific stuff and not really stepped in. He used we've seen him use his force power maybe once or twice where mm. that mud is it mud horn? The creature, that's right. yeah. Where the, I think it's episode two, isn't it? Of season one, where he's going to get the egg that the Jawas love, Mando, and he's about to get trampled, and the 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 kid holds this mud horn up in the air, and he's used it to protect Mando. But where the hell was he protecting Mando on all these other occasions where he's under fire and stuff? <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of the times it's just me. I think flaky storytelling. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Then, really nice to see X-Wing pilots, that beginning scene where they're kind of escorting him in. Really liked all that. They're asking for his ID and getting him on the comm system and all that kind of stuff. Really mm. good. Um, then he, he nice sort of pitched flying battle through the clouds, dumps the dumps the craft in the ice, ice um, cave stuff. Really cool. Um, and then, you know, all these spiders come along. At first I was like, what is all this about? But... You know, it took on a real kind of horror vibe. Maybe this is obviously we just had Halloween. This was the closest episode. I suppose episode the episode one was the closest to Halloween, but you're not going to maybe have that as the opening episode. But you know, kind of a good horror vibe with all these these spiders. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, and the the when when the child was first looking at those eggs and they're all opening up. You were, there's a there's a massive. Uh, alien vibe to it, right? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of those face eggs huggers. opening up in the sort of the facehuggery type creatures uh, inside. Yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. I mean, I think I liked the episode. You know, I'm not, I didn't dislike it at all. But it's, I'm still not a hundred percent on board. I don't think. But, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, I think I'm in a similar similar place that uh, it. It's it sort of it's it's fun, but I think you've got to it's sort of you know take it as as being as not worrying too much about the overall arc. That are, you know yeah. some episodes it's just going to be that they have an adventure, they land, you know, they come to a new place, they yeah. do something, they they go on to the next place, and it's not necessarily going to move always move it ahead uh, too far. So it's sort yeah. of uh, the the journey not the uh, destination yeah. I think the I've yeah, worked like, out like, like, like that littlest hobo you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get to the end of the episode damn it that dog still hasn't got home yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've worked out possibly that it's the fact that the main character just doesn't have enough to him it's just like because he's faceless it's just I don't know it, there's not enough personality in the Mando even though I suppose he is you know showing different traits and things i don't know it's difficult because whilst the character remains behind a mask it's it's for me it's difficult but then part of me thinks i don't want him unmasked because then it becomes you know like you see with a lot of the superhero movies and stuff the characters don't stay in masks for the whole movie because they have to appeal to you know a wide range of viewers and 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 um audience members and people want to see people's faces and and also the actors but, they want to show off their faces yeah as well, they, they're marketable they don't you know this is you know my 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 i want to market myself here my visage but um i don't know it's like i don't care enough about the character of the mandalorian i don't think yeah it's almost you know he'd almost be like a good computer character game character yeah. in terms of yeah. him being an avatar that you can project yourself onto because there's not good a huge show. amount of personality uh, there existing that you you know you had a good chat with s jobs this morning about this episode um and he sent me an audio uh, message and i might just play it now which is quite interesting about the spiders 
What do you think of episode two of uh, season two of Mando? I freaking love those spiders. I know it's a return to the master, <laughs> masters of the universe, monster of the week kind of story writing, but uh, that spider demon creature, um, just like the crate dragon, has its origins in wealth. Wealth, Jesus! I've just woken up too. Ralph Macquarie sketches. Uh, except it's not native to Tatooine or to any kind of ice planet. Those spider creatures are native to Dagobah. And get this, they roam around feeding on things. And then ultimately they plant themselves like the roots of trees and actually become these fossilized tree-like structures on Dagobah. So the theory is Luke probably whilst past a few of those creatures that had subsequently, I don't know, cocooned or, or, or transformed from a living, walking spider creature to a rooted tree-like structure. Yeah, so that was, that's interesting. I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah, I'd also I'd picked up uh, that, that the design originated as an unused concept by Ralph McQuarrie for Star Wars Episode 4, Empire right. Stri- no, sorry, Star Wars Episode 5, Empire Strikes Back, which would make sense, I guess, if they were originally part of, going to be part of Dagobah, as, as uh, S-Jobs says. But um, the I think the creatures are called Creekna. Uh, and they, they, this isn't actually the first time they've been seen on screen because they were in Rebels as well. So Star Wars Rebels, they were on right. a, an episode called The Mystery of Chopper Base, where I think they were, yeah, similar, not too, dif- you know, not too different to this. I think they were sort of like living in, in, in caves and sort of bit of a sort of strange lurking presence. And if I remember correctly, uh, the, the Ezra there sort of were, uh, uh, was... And trying to use the force to to com- kind of communicate okay. with them, but yeah, here there's a bit more of a an out and out kind of horror beastie, yeah, monster of the week trying to chase them down like yeah, uh, a giant kind of yep. alien queen or a uh, you know a giant beastie off of uh, starship troopers that kind of uh, yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, um, and uh, Mando's ship it can can take a hell of a pounding <laughs> and keep going, can't it? I mean, all he had to do to fix it was just fix the windscreen up. Yeah, just, um, you know, get a bit of plastic, tape it over, <laughs> yeah. you know, and away you go. Space travel. Beep. Yeah. Easy, easy, easy pickings. Um, yeah. So, well, they're going to limp somewhere. He said we're going to limp to some sort of way station for the next episode uh, to get it fully repaired or something like that. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, X-Wing pilots coming back to help him out. Were you on board with they've kind of gone off script there a bit and they'd heard that the mando had kind of left those bounty hunters or you know tied up on the prison ship and had made a concerted effort to keep the fleet trooper alive so they're kind of coming back to do him a good turn and rescue him from spider monsters is that okay does that make sense to you yeah sort of yeah so they yeah sort of see that that he's uh he, he, you know, while he's on the wanted list, that that he he has kind of done some good and you know helped out that guy and and sort of done in some of the uh, other baddies and maybe in a perfect world they would bring him in for his crimes, but they're not living in imp- in, in imperfect. Uh, sorry, but they are not look, living in a perfect world. They're you know still in the aftermath of the empire falling and the, and the universe is in a bit of chaos. Yeah. So uh, they'll you know they'll let it slide. Um, so yeah, good. But did you notice there that uh, 
one of the X-Wing pilots was uh, Dave Filoni returning as the, the same character that we saw in the previous uh, appearance in Chapter 6, The Prisoner. Ah, I did not know. No. Well, there he there is. Go. Did there you know <laughs> that Dave Filoni was in the episode? Yeah. There he was. And apparently he's got a name accredited okay. to him. Trapper Wolf. Right. Ah. Trapper Wolf. Uh your time is up we might see you later but um that is all we've got time for on the 10 minute mando overall um give it a mark out of 10 for me give me some mando madness Uh, probably a lower scoring episode for for me um it's yeah still enjoyable still good but i'll i'll go i'll go six on this one in terms of my overall you know to, to put it towards the bottom of my my list of the episodes which you know i have enjoyed them all to be all right um whether or not we will discuss episode oh we'll do episode three next week whether we'll do episode four on um episode 100 of talking joe i don't know we'll talk to the guys might as well i suppose um see what they think okay so yeah more mando madness next week but right now we'll close the show out with some questions that we asked you that you gave us answers to and then a new question that we're going to put to you for next week something like that anyway take it away funky bunch okay we asked you a question you being the listener of the show oh and we being me uh, and chief and you must answer us now uh, 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 ow. yeah and uh it was something about comics i think wasn't it yeah, basically, we asked you what what comics you're reading. Yeah, what comics you're reading? If uh, outside of the GI Joe world, uh, what's your monthly pool list like? If you're still one of those reading the the floppies, and if not, what's what's on your back issue list that you're reading? You know, just a general. Give us some advice on what we should be reading. So, um, yeah, well, have you done any research for us there? Have you tabulated the figures and and such? So yeah, we got quite a few answers back. So so we won't cover absolutely everyone, uh, everyone's answers. But as always, thank you for uh, chiming in. Always useful to have your responses and yeah, see what everyone is is saying. Uh, I thought we we might you know it's interesting to see what the different social medias where where the more 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 of the action might be because yes. everyone's got their own take. We did you know we did get a a good. Uh, set of answers and replies back from from across all of the socials so on our facebook and on the insta and on twitter but yeah facebook is often uh, often where we see a bit more of the exchange of ideas yeah. so for example we uh, started talking about uh, dmz uh, by brian wood on the, over on the facebook group yep. and and what else uh brian has has written and if there was any other recommendations of there we started talking about uh the massive for example northlanders um and uh even conan as as, as well so i enjoyed his uh, his run on on conan but uh yeah it's uh, spurred me on to dig out the the massive which has been on my bookshelf for a while so i've started uh digging into into that so that's uh yeah a good a good thi- thing i've been spurred on by some of that discussion to actually take a book off my shelf and uh start uh start de- delving uh into it good stuff uh scott romanski uh who's always uh you know one of th- one of the characters we've got who will chime in on uh what we're discussing um he uh, just a big shout out to him actually he sent me in the post very very kindly i'd mentioned that i was looking to get some of the gi joe fun publications uh issues that, that right. i didn't have and uh he said that he had a few spare and he's uh popped them in the post oh, so that stuff. was uh absolutely uh absolutely lovely of him very kind um he's digging uh the idw transformers and the danny danny ketch era of 
Ghost Rider. And if I remember correctly, that's uh, an era of Ghost Rider you're into as well, Chief? Um, no. No? Okay, no. crikey. Um, I have some Ghost Rider. I've actually got them right now. Um, I, th- I think I saw on the um, Unbound Binds thread a lot of Ghost Rider chat. And I've actually, I did prepare one of my first ever binds years and years ago. Um, I've got it here. I'm just taking it yeah, out. Yeah, this is what I'm thinking of. You d- you've definitely got a Ghost Rider bind, haven't you? No, no, I haven't. I never no? did it. Oh. So I've got the Rise of the Midnight Suns series. Then there was something else, uh, whatever that is. Um, and then something else. I don't know. <laughs> but a uh, load of uh, Midnight Massacre crossover thing. So I did collect some. Uh, it's got Darkhold, Night Stalkers, Ghost Rider, mm. Blade and all this to read having never ever read it and basically the reason i did was because it had some nice art some artists i like involved ron garney andy kubert from the you know 90s on here so i got it ready to go i started reading the issues i was like this is junk so i just never bothered binding it so um so this is something that did you you picked it up back in the day in like the mid 90s or whatever no 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 i picked it up i picked it up when I started binding comics. Ah, okay. With the intent of saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah with the intent. I'd awesome. never read any Ghost Rider prior to ah, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah I, I, there's, um, what's his name? Mark Texiera yes. uh, art in that uh, in that run. And uh, yeah, his his stuff is always very interesting, very um, a very unique st- style and, and instantly recognisable. Um, yeah, some great work on the Wolverine run as well that he did there that, that I really enjoyed at, at the time. So yeah. Um, and then we had yeah just an interesting assortment and you can sort of, we can sort of uh, some of the ones that jumped out were uh, adventures in the rifle brigade which is um Garth Ennis uh, Carlos Esquera uh, uh run uh yeah I'm a big fan of Garth Ennis um, yep. sort of read most of his his stuffs but um yeah I don't think I've ever actually got round to reading that one so that's an interesting one are you you an Ennis fan um used to be not anymore I, I think his pretty one note. Um, I think all of his war comics are good, but once you've read one, you've read them all. Um, Hitman, I reread recently and did not think it was as good, so I sold it all oh, as, wow. as I first read it. Um, no interest in the boys, never read that. Um, never read his Demon or Hellblazer. Okay, so, interesting. not particularly, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend uh Sara S A R A okay. by uh by um uh, Ennis which is one of his more recent works a sort of one and done uh war story about a okay. Russian sniper um, All right. one of my favorite uh, pieces from it uh Savage Savage Avengers you, is that one you've delved into No hardly okay, I only read one Marvel book at the moment that's Daredevil Daredevil well we did have Daredevil on the the list uh, reading the current Daredevil, which I believe is Chip Zdarsky. Correct. Are you? How far are you up with uh, your, your Daredevil? Are you letting it build up, or are you reading it as you're going? No, on? I've got all 22 issues of that run. I haven't started it yet uh, because I need to reread the previous volume, the Charles Soule volume, which I haven't started yet either, because <sighs> I'm rereading the Mark Wade run. Oh my so God. once I finish the Mark Wade run, then I'll read the Charlie Soul run, mm-hmm. then I'll get on the Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. But I'm also reading the Anne run at the moment from the late eighties. Oh, wow. So So yeah. A lot of Daredevil going on. There. Daredevil yeah. Going I read on. the first issue, I think, of the, the current Daredevil run and yeah, it was very impressed. Very strong writing there from okay. uh, Zdarsky, also very nice 
nice looking. Yep. Uh, we had a shout out for Firepower by Kirkman and Samney. And yeah, as a reader and collector of comics, I'm often a sort of attracted towards the creator, creative team. Yep. Uh, it's what sort of grabs my attention rather than necessarily the, the story or the, the characters. So, you know, so, uh, strong creators like uh, Kirkman and Samney will be, uh, yeah, people that always sort of pay attention to what they're doing. Okay. I picked up, yeah, the, the first trade of Firepower. It's like a sort of a prologue uh, uh, graphic novel that they, they, they released. And, yeah, very, very strong. One of the best things that I've read this this year. So, yep. yeah, strong, strong re- recommend for that. Sort of very much in the vein of uh, Iron Fist-type mythology. Okay. Um, someone's doing a, a reread of the Uncanny X-Force. Re- remember one. That's right. Yeah, massively overrated. <laughs> I remember it. enjoying loved it at it. the time. Loved it when it was coming out month by month. Did a reread in one binge and was like, it's okay. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting because I'm sort of I love an omnibus collection, a big, you know, big collection of comics, all in one one nicely uh, bound hardback collection. And uh, Uncanny X Force for a long time was the the great white whale of uh, right. collecting because it was uh, yeah gone out of print much in demand which meant that the price was rocketing on the on the secondary market but yeah it has been subsubsequently reprinted so um hopefully is is a lot more affordable for most people okay uh, yeah one one that i'd like to go and reread because it's been quite a long long time since yep. i've read that uh immortal hulk is on the list i know you've been collecting that one have you actually you've, you've read some of it as well right i had the first 30 issues then i sold them all for about 170 quid on ebay um good but just not as good as the hype <laughs> yeah it's a strong take but uh but yeah may- maybe it has suffered a little bit from uh hype we've got someone who's on the uh hickman x-men uh i wouldn't say reboot but reinvigoration of the of the line house of x and, yep. and all of that kind of stuff Read i really that. enjoyed uh the 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 collection is sort of uh you know it's quite uh it's quite a lot of big ideas going on there a lot of a very different take on the x-men to what yep. we've seen for for a long time yeah uh have you, have you, how much of that have you, have read you been reading? Powers of X. No, Powers of Ten, isn't it? And House of Ten, it's not X. Uh, Powers of Ten and House of Ten. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, the, the X is meant to represent Ten. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh. So read those, uh, sold them on eBay. was like, eh, it's all right. Um, Hickman, haven't really enjoyed much Hickman lately, probably for the last ten years. Uh, I think his ideas are too big mm. and not for me, I'm afraid. Prefer his, <laughs> prefer his indie <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I refer to some smaller ideas, please. Yes. Um, Pete, the man, Seddon, is um, is doing uh, a Powers reread by Bendis. Okay. Yeah, another one of these books where creative team have done an, an awful lot of content. Uh, yeah. You know, same creative team. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that, but um, yeah, Pete, Pete's gone back and re- sort of doing a long re- okay. reread. Interesting. Uh, one of these books where it's trying to, it sort of is almost. Uh, done as a season and then it tries to reinvent itself as okay. a, almost a completely different type of story um to kind of for the for the next arc kind yep. of thing so yeah interesting uh friend of the show mate myla he's uh been enjoying dark knights death metal and savage dragon okay and uh, we also got another another shout for savage dragon as as well it's not one that i've delved into t- into too too much have you ever dipped your toe in the savage dragon yeah world? i had the first mini series when it came out in 92 whenever it was 91 then i had about the first 12 issues of the main run and um but just never never carried on but 
yeah, I, I, I think barrier to entry is a problem for me now. Too many issues because I'd want to go back mm. from the start, and I'm not yeah. going to sit down and read 250 issues of anything. I don't think <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes when there's so much of the the content is a little bit yeah. Uh, yeah, daunting. Uh, we had a shout out for Mike Mignolo vs. Uh, story Baltimore, which I've actually read the the, the omnibus hardcover of the, yep. the first volume of uh, that. Yeah, quite uh, yeah interesting, dark uh, tale there. <laughs> um, yeah, sort of uh, like the supernatural kind of lore where uh, yep. Baltimore is up against uh, sort of a. A nasty uh, vampire that he's trying to, to hunt down, okay. um, and you've 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 picked up a lot of the Mignola stuff, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I've you know got all the Hellboy and uh, Hellboy library editions from Dark Horse. Then I had all the BPRDs. I sold a load of BPRD hardcovers recently, and but I've never gone into the. Uh, I've read a couple of Sledgehammer forty fours and the Witchfinder, but I've not read Baltimore. Yeah, I'd say I'd say it's it's up there with with the stuff. So. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put it above any of the other work from the Mignola verse, but okay. but yeah, it's a, it's a, an in, an enjoyable right. and, and dark little corner of his his world. Yeah. Uh, what else we with? There's a con, uh, there's a Constantine Black Label shout out. I've heard people saying that they've been enjoying the latest uh, okay. Constantine stuff. Um, Philip Rothenberger gave a shout out to the Hordes of Surrey. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, which is yeah, by written by my your... good buddy Faceman Dave. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, I think the after having the Kickstarter, the 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 issue is dropping for that now. It's out in the wild. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think he's. Right? I don't. I don't know if he's selling it outside of Kickstarter at the moment. Okay, but the the Kickstarter. Yeah, the Kickstarter. I've got my one. They, is, they've been posted been out. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so yeah, if uh, that appeals, then then do do a Google Hordes of Surrey. Yeah, do it. Do it. It's three little. Mini, uh, three issue miniseries I think he's going to kickstart issues two and three in the spring of next year but um, yeah good little premise nice to read a comic of, of uh, an area that I've been to recently as well so could get a kick out of that yeah good stuff uh, and that, that was the end of what I specifically uh, okay. sort of wanted to, to, to shout out so, yeah. but yeah thanks for to everybody who sort of put in their, their answers yep. and uh, no slight if I've not shouted out no. your particular story we also got into discussing your uh, every story ever link um, ah, yes list yeah. uh, on the on the Facebook pages as as well so the the chief's big uh, recommendations at the moment on your number one and number two on that list are. Well, Scalp. yeah, the, I, I would say straying away from the question, which is kind of what are you reading at the moment? Um, but yeah, looking at a list, it's a list that's nearly 2,000 entries, every comic story. I think I started it January 2017, maybe, or was it 2018? Can't remember. One of those two. Uh, every comic I read, I have to put on the list in a specific order of greatness to down to turdness at the bottom. And I think numbers one and two are Scalped and Nikolai Dante from 2000 AD are my two all-time favourites. Some omissions. Watchmen's not on there just because I haven't read it since I started doing the list. I obviously have read Watchmen, but I don't feel comfortable placing it on the list without having read it recently. So there's lots of omissions. But even if it's stuff I have read, it needs to be read since I started doing the list to be accurately placed on the list. So uh, that is freely available, that link on the Facebook group, so you can come and see, you know, accurately how good stuff is um, or not. (laughs) Uh, Stuff that I'm reading at the moment, uh, Deadly Class I get, although I am way behind on Deadly Class. That's Rick Remender. Uh, Gideon Falls, Jeff Lemire, kind of a horror book. 
but again, I'm about five issues behind on that. Ascender, that is, I think that's another Jeff Lemire book, actually. Um, yeah, written, yeah, and uh, Dustin, with, uh, Dustin Guy, yeah, 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 on, yeah on really nice. Yeah. That's a sequel to Descender. Uh, the Weatherman, Nathan Fox, really, really enjoy that. It's a trilogy, and this is about to wrap up episode part six on uh, the second middle trilogy, the middle part of the trilogy. Um, what else do I get? Low. There's another recommender book actually with um, mm. Greg Tocchini on art. A beautiful book, if, but only about two issues come out a year, which is a shame. <laughs> uh, Daredevil, and then I think that's all I get actually. At the I'll get uh, Strange Adventures by Tom King and Mitch Gerards from uh-huh. DC. But that's yeah. about all I get on the monthlies at the moment. And rereads of back issue stuff, like I said, Daredevil, multiple incarnations of Daredevil. Uh, I've started dipping my toe back into some Dark Horse Star Wars books. Um, because they're available on the Marvel Unlimited app now as well, so get them through there. But that's that's about it. That's all the you know the, the to read pile is massive. Don't get me wrong, which and I know yours is, but yeah, I've got I... to to read room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, um, yeah, my my big sort of uh, my big favourites from from this year probably Descender, as you as you say, yep. uh, is yeah is is great. Um, I enjoyed paper girls which i think is is having an adaptation is it probably an hbo series okay. but it's right. getting an adaptation and uh my favorite probably was actually lazarus okay this yeah. year which greg rucker and uh, michael lark on yeah. art yeah, and, and it's it's like a kind of future dystopian game of thrones yeah. is how i would describe it um, okay. very very strong all right um good stuff thanks for getting in touch with us and letting you know letting us know and all the listeners the choices of what stuff we should be reading so thanks for that uh we do have a question for next week's show and it is okay for episode 99 our question for you is we've got to issue 250 in our read through on the podcast um and it feels like we've got to you know a bit of a milestone in terms of that that sort of new creator creative team coming coming on board and and uh, the the dawn story sort of having a bit of a change of focus but what would you like to see in the gi joe book coming up so if uh, looking forward from 250 uh, you're writing your letter into the post box the pit to, to larry what would you say you'd like to see more of in the book going forward yep. Yep, good stuff, good stuff. Interesting then, to see what we get from there. But also, uh, coming off the back of that, don't forget the episode 100 we talked about and getting the crew back together. Just fire us off any questions you've got for any of the co- any of the five co-hosts that have housed and done work on Talking Joe. You've got any questions for any of us, put them in the usual places. That's uh, Talking underscore Joe on Twitter, Talking Joe Comics on Instagram, Talking Joe Comics at gmail.com or come and join the Facebook group if you're not already there. It's Talking Joe, a G.I. Joe podcast and uh, let us know any questions for any of the talking joe hosts so i think that that about wraps it up doesn't it that's that's us done tick 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 tick. so with all that said and done we'll catch you down the road because we've been talking joe and we're all out of joes laters